Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast. By sides where we receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be actively involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Today's another short episode. Last episode was the beginning of the season. It still is, but next week we go into the international break and we play Brazil and Nicaragua. But to the Ghana squad, I'm not going to name all the squad, but what I will do is name the notable inclusions, which are Inyaki Williams, which has been a long time coming in some respect, and also Tweek Lamptey, which has also been progressive news over the past five to six months in regards to his, um, not necessarily inclusion, but him actually changing his international allegiance. But also there is another one as well, which I'm looking for, which would be Mohamed Salasu, which again has been a long time coming in regards to why he had or hadn't been included in the Ghana squad previously. But as I said last episode, I'm really looking forward to this international break. The reason being is one, we're playing five-time world champions Brazil, but at the same time, I think it's a great opportunity to draw comparison as to where we are. Yeah, where we are, if truth be told. But at the same time, the comparison I gave last episode was we were 2009 under-17 world champions and we played Brazil then, which was a momentous occasion and achievement. Um, but there has been, I'm going to say, 13 years, I believe it is, since that win and I think it's interesting to see the growth of both sides. Obviously, Brazil will always be Brazil in regards to their their talent pool and their and their history and their well their history in, in world football. But at the same time, I think it'll be interesting to see obviously how far we've come in regards to our talent pool um, and the progression of obviously some of our players. I know that generation is pretty much coming to an end, but I think it's always interesting to draw comparison as to um, where we were and where we are. If that makes any sense. I think between the two sides, or if we focus, or if I focus on Brazil first and foremost, have they gone on to win a World Cup since? I don't think they have. I think their last World Cup win was in 2002. Obviously, I know we're going to another World Cup, which would make sense to discuss that. But no, they haven't won a World Cup since. I'm not too sure whether they've won one at youth level, but certainly not on the um, at senior level. And Ghana, as we know, obviously haven't won a World Cup before. But a number of things have taking place obviously in between that time in that there's been a massive change of guard and generation and things of that nature and the two sides which played in 2009 I guess definitely for Brazil that generation has come and gone but for Ghana I guess that generation in some way shape or form is beginning to phase out but I guess my interest in regards to the game with Brazil on the 23rd is that well I kind of said it last time if I'm honest but I guess my interest is in, I think personally, I think Brazil will go into the World Cup as favourites. And Ghana having missed out on the last two World Cups, I think is very, very interesting with the storyline we have between the two sides. Where and how far have both sides come since 2009? Um, So I think that'd be interesting to draw comparison. But at the same time, I think it's a great opportunity to reflect as to the things that have and haven't been done, if that makes any sense. So some of the things that I pointed to in the last episode was very brief, in fact, as to the um, article that was written, which was, what would Brazil do? So that's WWBD. So what would Brazil do um, in regards to, if they ha- if, if they were in our shoes, what would they do in regards to the talent pool? What things would they put in place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm trying not to look at it at the conventional way, which would be to um, be excited to play Brazil, obviously because Brazil or Brazil, which of course I am. But I think it's important to look at things from, a different perspective. How far have we come since 2009? 
the other game we play, and I think in a few days' time after the Brazil fixture is against Nicaragua. And I think that is also a very, very important game because I think with the sides that we actually have in our group, I think it should be a good test in regards to really our style of play, how we impose us how we impose our style of play on 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 I will say what would be in theory weak opposition, et cetera, et cetera. I think I think we should yeah, I think it should be interesting to see how we impose our style of play on Nicaragua. Um, and has, has anything really evolved since South Africa, truth be told, or even like the back end of the, the group stages um, in qualification? Has anything really progressed since then? Because there was a period where it was really, really messy. So I think it should be interesting to see if we impose our style of play and actually what type of style of play can we look forward to going into Qatar? I think that should be really interesting. I think there's been a lot of success with the new management. I think, yeah. It should be really interesting. So I'm looking forward to um, those two games for those two reasons, truth be told. But moving into club football, or in reference to the squad that's recently been announced, I think it's important to highlight one or two individuals who've been playing well. And I imagine there are a number of individuals who've been playing well, but I think I really, really want to focus on Kudus. And the reason why I like to focus on him specifically is that there have been one or two squads to which he hasn't been actually been a part of. And him being a part of this squad the last squad before the actual squad is announced for the tournament, I think is important. Well, there's no pressure on him to play well as such, but I think it's important that we see him play well in that we know he's a fantastic player and he's a player of great potential. But in regards to also his recent club performances, Kudus has been putting on some fantastic performances, notably scoring on match day one in the Champions League, I believe against Rangers, if I'm correct, but then also playing well against Liverpool this week in the Champions League also. So he is definitely one to watch going into these international friendlies but at the same time I'd like to highlight and although he's not in his squad and I know there's been talk previously of him actually changing his international allegiance I'm not too sure if he has as of yet I know there was news that he had but he's not a part of this squad but I'd like to give a special mention to Callum Hudson-Odoi who's been putting on great performances I think on his league debut for Bayer Leverkusen but at the same time putting a great um, I don't want to say man of the match display but I think he got an assist um, and potentially a goal Sorry, not a goal. He got an assist in his debut for Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League. So congratulations to him. And I look forward to seeing him this season because he's kind of been frozen out in recent time. Obviously, I know probably about 18 months to two years ago, there was big news circulating as to him potentially obviously moving to Bayern Munich. And when that didn't quite happen, we were kind of hoping for him to kind of like kick on for Chelsea. And through one reason or another, that didn't quite happen. So it's good to see him get some game time for Bayer Leverkusen. So that's something that I'll monitor over the coming over the coming months and throughout the season. Last thing I'd like to touch on is some of the stats that I actually mentioned in the last episode, which I actually don't have with me at hand, but I felt it was very, very interesting. The reason why I think it was very, very interesting in that I feel it's really, really important, I guess, with the momentum the GFA have or are building, I think it's really, really important to actually understand or know, in fact, the amount of participants who actually have playing in grassroots football each year. Now, I don't know if that is actually possible with some of the resources that we do or do not have, but I think that's really, really important. And I guess the reason why it's important, or important to me, so I think it's important to actually measure growth. And I guess with some of the things that I would like to do in Ghana, or Team Ghana you would like to do in Ghana in the next 12 to 36 months, is obviously create some sort of foundation, or yeah, I guess, yeah, create some sort of foundation in regards to grassroots football whether that's um, developing tournaments and developing academies or developing schools in some way shape or form and I think it's really really important to 
understand those stats and those figures. So I guess you can actually build on them and actually understand them because ultimately it's about an analysis. Well, I guess that's it really. Um, my question in regards to the last thing was if anyone knew the actual stats for the amount of players actually participating at youth level, is that, if that's something that you do know, please hit us up and please let us know. But I'll be sure to see if I can find those sort of things out for our next episode. Anyway, thank you. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories that unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you have any question or queries, email us at teamgarnerU at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnerU on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.